0: And libido. We are your hosts, Trip and Kiki, the podcast where true seekers help you find your truth. Join us as we delve into all the things you lust, the lies that we tell ourselves, and why our libido drives us to distraction. This is adult only content, so no kiddies under 18, please. Our dialogue is open, honest, and raw, but most of all, we're here to have fun. Welcome
1: to our podcast, Lust, Lies, and Libido. All right, so welcome everyone to an episode of Lust, Lies, and Libido. We have our special guest with us today, Dr. Zell, here on National Orgasm Day. Um, I'm sure by the time you guys hear it, it's not going to be National Orgasm Day, but it's very um, awesome that we get to to talk to her about what she's passionate about and what she does on this day. So welcome, Dr. Zell.
0: Yes, welcome, welcome. So excited.
1: Can't wait to get in this conversation.
2: (laughs) Peace. Thank you for having me.
1: So, Dr. Zell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us what you do. Um, You know, give our listeners a little bit of information about who you are.
2: Hmm, okay. I am Dr. Zuleika Hepworth-Clark. I am the first Jamaican, Jamaican-American with three degrees in human sexuality from accredited universities in the United States. And so I am a sexologist, a sexual scientist, a clinical sexologist. So I do um, lots of different things that you can do in the field of human sexuality. Um, I, what do I do? I do therapy and education, consulting counseling, coaching. Those are some of the things that I, I do. Um, really into expanding minds, uh, social justice, which to me includes sexual, erotic justice. Um, racial justice, economic justice, all all of that. It, to me, they're intersectional and there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of unlearning to do. And I am here to help people live their best lives. So Dr. Zell,
0: what made you want to get into this field of study?
2: Um,
1: what drew you I, to it?
2: I, I had the privilege of, um, be having a lot of freedom in terms of what I wanted to study. Um, My mom said I could study whatever I wanted. So I checked out all the subjects. (laughs) I don't know how everyone finds their field, but it was very clear to me. And in fact, like even when I was thinking I was gonna study other things, like I'm gonna study psychology, I'm gonna study history, You know, my favorite aspects of those subjects ended up coinciding with um, sexuality. So multidisciplinary approach. So I could study multiple subjects, but still on my favorite kind of topic. I love humans and they're complex and interesting beings. So, yeah, I just, it's just because I, I was afforded the freedom to to choose honestly and that's that's what i that's what i chose traveling i saw different things so i picked up on something that i wanted to contribute to a field and i didn't feel that many other fields i could contribute as much as a growing field of sexuality okay
1: cool now when you were um you're talking about being the you know, you talk about sexual advocacy, um, sexual justice advocacy, and I would love to know and if you have any, any, um, I guess, what I'm looking for, experiences with some of the, the federal laws that's been passed, um, SESTA, Foster, those two um, bills in particular that um, have been passed. Are you starting to see an impact on the people on the community that you served with those particular bills?
2: Uh, yes, it happened right away. Um, it's just particularly dangerous for Black trans women and Black trans men and gender nonconforming <coughs> people talking about sex work and essentially taking away people's control over um, choosing their clients and uh, safety concerns. Um, you're, you're, to me, what I'm, what I'm seeing is people suffering. I'm seeing people dying. I'm seeing people go to jail. I'm seeing people being um, immediately jeopardized that they don't know how they're gonna feed their family. And it's because of this law and them being able to go online and choosing their clients and picking a safe place where now they're forced on the street, where they can't choose their clients, where they're vulnerable to more violence. And so um, That's very heavy, uh negative impact that is uh, really dangerous and people people are dying. Um, you're not going to hear about it, but, um, people are hungry. You know, it's, it's, it's a whole economy that, um, unfortunately has, is going to impact people who, um, excuse me. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, um, I'm seeing a negative impact on, on the community.
1: Now, for our listeners that may not know, SESTA and FOSTA, um, there are federal bills that were passed recently, um, and the whole intent for the bills were, or the ruse, the way I say it, is it was supposed to be measures to stop sex trafficking. Um, unfortunately, the bills are wide-reaching, far-reaching, and they're infringing upon um consensual sex workers and there's a lot of there's a lot of fight and there's a lot of talk because there's a lot of um there's a huge community of people out here who are looking to have sex work decriminalized and it needs to be decriminalized mm-hmm. um but if you if you're not aware of the bill sesta of foster um if you've never heard of those acronyms you need to look it up um It passed with a majority, I mean, overwhelmingly by your representatives. I think there are only two Republicans that opposed it from passing. And of course, nobody wants to be on a bill that, you know, say they're against the bill that's supposed to stop sex trafficking. And what a lot of, I would love for our listeners to know, your politicians, a lot of times with these bills, they're not really looking and reading into the fine details of it. And so- when you're looking and when you're getting into the, the the minutia and you're, you're really starting to see the impact of how it can hurt day to day people. They're not aware of it. And we have to get out there and make them aware of how this is impacting real people, because it is out here. Like um, Dr. Zell was saying, people are dying from it. You know, you have people who are not able to, you know, live their life anymore or um, choose, you know, how they can live their life because of this bill is cracking down on consensual sex work. And, you know, it's taking away the lead, the, the the means for them to be able to, to live. And now, for those who do not know, I own my own um, sex store, run it with my wife. And it's so crazy, but we're starting to see impact from it. We're starting to see where it's cracking down on what we can, how we can advertise, how we, you know, how we can get, you know, our transactions online, you know, what forms of payment we can take. Um, So these bills are far reaching and it's not stopping the sex traffickers. It's actually making it harder to find them because they go underground. So it's, it's ridiculous. Um, You know, I can talk about this for days, but we're not here to interview (laughs) me. We're here to interview Dr. Zell. So, well, uh, I want to
0: kind of go in a, in a different direction, and I want to know a little bit about your take on the unlearning of monogamy, because uh, Tripp and I have this debate all the time, you know, um, about our differences and beliefs about monogamy, and I know he touched on it a little bit, told me a little bit about, you know, where you come from with that, but I would like to hear it from you, you know, just tell me a little bit about that
2: sure um i think that to start off that people have different preferences and people have different desires and different needs that can be met in a very diverse way right what works for some people doesn't work for other people there are some people um that you know would like more than one partner and there's some people that that don't and Oops, excuse me. I think for me, the unlearning piece is that there's a lot of, to me, it's unlearning patriarchal tendencies. It doesn't matter what kind of relational structure you're in, whether you're poly or mono. it doesn't it doesn't really matter. There's certain things that everyone needs to unlearn, regardless of what structure that you're getting into. There's more unlearning. Everyone has to unlearn. It doesn't matter. That that's the one. That's a one key part. So, the I mean, I think what we have to unlearn is toxic tendencies and striving for relational health. And because the poly- the ethical non-monogamy communities, many um, they make there's more conversations that are pivotal to have. Now these conversations should be had in any romantic, -romantic, non-romantic partnership, but it, but there's certain things that in certain communities that are more oppressed or non, I don't know, normal, I guess, whatever that means, that certain things happen. So like for the kinky community, Consent is talked about in different ways, and you talk about the aftercare. Right. That, um And g- any relationship should talk about consent, but there's certain like assumptions that people start to have. For example, people may s- just assume what's cheating. A lot of people don't even have that conversation, but actually, what is cheating is different in every single relationship, and That's- that needs to be defined within that relationship. And if it's a conversation that never happens, then there might be room for, you know, uh, misunderstanding. So yeah, absolutely homemade, you know. And so I think that what's important is to have conversations, and um, I think also an examination of love, including how how we want to be loved what we what ways do we experience love how do we feel love um those are really important conversations for any relational configuration that you get into so the unlearning piece is i think we you know in the coupling it's it's a lot of the prescribed you know this is what your this is how you're supposed to live your life you're supposed to go to school you're supposed to find your star-crossed lover and you're supposed to move in and you're supposed to get married and you're supposed to have a kid but oh you have a to to house first with the picket fence right and right. Then, and then and then and then and then you die but there's actually different ways of living your life that doesn't have to be the escalator you know model which is just kind of the the, the emotions that we tend to go through so when you start thinking critically about a lot of these things including marriage when you look at the history of marriage Ooh, it gets a little um I don't know, possessive, misogynistic, uh capitalistic. It's not um you know, it it's uh it's a lot of it calls I call into question, you know, the father giving away the daughter. It's that that whole tradition right. has a lot to do with property and um and I'm not, I am not, I am not a possession. I am no one's property. Um, even last names. I mean, people just, we, it's, we're It's we forced to have last names because it's the way the system works, but there's indigenous cultures that don't have last names. That's not mm-hmm. how they act. They and only have them. one name. <laughs> and for certainly they're not gonna have their father's last name, that's for sure. And, but now because we're in this western dominating society now everyone has to follow along this kind of weird patriarchal logic that um but you know what if you think about
0: it though historically that's kind of untrue because you think about how cultures would introduce themselves they would say i'm star walker son of goat herder. I mean, so they would show that familial relational connection as a, I don't know what you want to call it, but it was like, I belong to this family. This is my father. This is my mother. So they would recognize each other based on parental lineage. I mean, so it was still tied, you know, to the father in some way.
2: Most cultures, I mean, and then there's cultures like um, in other places where it didn't really matter who the father is, because the village is raising the ch- child and everyone, everyone looks after that child as if it's their own. You don't, oh, this is my kid and I got it. That's, that's, some, that's a scarcity model. That's a part of the possessive nature. And yeah, it's important to know who your lineage is recently Um, that's important for certain, you know, I guess it's just, it all depends. There's so many different cultures and there's so many different traditions. I think the sense of belonging is probably universal. You want to feel connected to humans in some capacity. Mm -hmm. That shows up up differently in different cultures. So um, even what is family is considered different and in different cultures, um, True. So I think what I started to notice is how much culture influences um, my understanding of what it means to be human, my understanding of what I should be doing and how I should be loving and who I should be loving and how many people I should love. This has been really ingrained. This is hundreds and hundreds of years of conditioning. And Mm -hmm. now also it's like, You got politics of respectability. You got survival. There's economics. There's There's just there's so many factors, and I think what I what I would like to see is wellness on every aspect on your social aspect on your sexual aspect on your relational aspect of yourself on your spiritual aspect of yourself. I think it's important to think of relational health.
1: And Right, so you have heterosexual, homosexual, pansexual. You have different, there's a spectrum. Um, But specifically when she's talking about the cisgender um, programming, you mm-hmm. know, we see how the way we've been trained to think about sexuality, about family, about community, is a patriarchal, cisgendered, white mindset. It's just, you know, it's... It's very Western. Um, so that's... I, I just wanted to kind of give some context for those who may have heard that term and like, oh, what what is this? this what, is <laughs> right. I, what, what, what is going on? Um, Thank you,
0: doctor, for that de- definition. Appreciate you, know I got that. You.
1: you know I got you, boo. <laughs> All right, Dr. Zell. My bad. I had to interject for a second.
2: Thank you. Thanks for that. Because I get, I get into my fancy jargon and...
1: Uh... <laughs> <laughs> People helps like, me break things down. <laughs> what is I just can't deal. There's so much going on. You <laughs> know. So yeah. Um. So, you know, you spoke about um, decolonizing, and that process. How can someone start that process? I mean, because like you said, it is ingrained and it is deep. Um, and it's deeply rooted, and you might not even realize it. So, you know, if we have some listeners out there how can they start that process to kind of dive in and, and start doing that homework on their own? Um,
2: well, it's, <laughs> uh, it's, a, I will warn you it is a very uncomfortable process and there's no final destination. It's not like, Oh, that person's decolonized. No, it's a decolonizing process a little, some things that I, and everyone's different. Everyone heals differently. Everyone experiences trauma differently, and everyone is going to have a different understanding of decolonization. Um, I started off, uh, so things that you can do is to practice mindfulness. So, um, you know, that's yeah, meditation, but it's also thinking with an open mind and a non-judgmental approach. It is um, being in the here and the now, and it is being able to observe yourself and your thoughts and your feelings, and um, not letting it control you. You know, you're, you 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 kind of separate out different. You know, negative thinking can really play a role in my mood and now it's affecting my behavior and now I'm all miserable and now I'm seeing the world in a in a, in a distorted lens all because of, I don't know I just woke up this way
1: <laughs> you <woke> but, up. <laughs>
2: but with the mindfulness I'm able to just simply observe oh wow I'm feeling angry right now without judging it so before I'd be like I am pissed that I'm mad and I'm angry that I'm sad. And it just became like this, I'm responding to just this one thing. Like, I'm just mad. Now I'm sad that I'm mad. Now I'm angry that I'm sad that I'm mad. And I'm, you know, like just letting all of that go and really just, yeah. So the practicing mindfulness happens in a lot of different ways. So I would encourage people to practice mindfulness. It's a whole you know they have mindfulness for stress reduction. We're using mindfulness in education, teaching. We're using mindfulness in sex therapy. So it's really awesome. It's ancient uh, technology or ancient ways of knowing and practices, and we're finally catching on. Or uh, the West kind of made it evidence based, and so now it's kind of trending. But but yeah, actually there's, there's been you know, the neuroplasticity or the ability to change your mind and the settings of your mind is very strong, Or the mind is very powerful. Mm-hmm. And so really um, working at getting rid of the clutter and um, focusing on, you know, there's a lot of truth that can be realized inside of you. There's embodied wisdom. Mm-hmm. Your body has messages for you. And a lot of us are trained not to hear him or you know, we we're not in tune with our intuition. We don't listen to our gut because of you know. The, actually, they don't want us to know all of the power that we have, including power of the pussy. No, there's power yes. all over places. Mm-hmm. There's powers in our genitals. Mm-hmm. There's powers in our in there, there's so many zones of our body that has. Yes amazing potential and so kind of it's really it's it's beginning to love yourself radical self-acceptance i mean there's only one you so who are you gonna be and who are you is a really important question that a lot of times we may not have the privilege to think about but that it is important to find your purpose Mm -hmm. and about what it is that why are you here and um and who were you before they told you who you should be? So you know.
1: That's a, that's a great point that you're making. So I have a question. So in tying that to um the decolonizing and how we think about marriage and how we think about relationships, um how if I'm struggling with um the whole concept of non-monogamy, you know, how do I go about that process to even see is this something for me? Is this something that's not for me? You know, um, you know, if, you know, if I feel like, you know what, this is, this is all I know. All I know is monogamy. And, you know, and you have a client and say, I say, for instance, I'm your client. And I come in your, on your door and I'm like, Dr. Zell, you know what? I just need to talk to you. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of struggling. You know, I feel like, this ain't for me, but this is all I know. And he's talking
0: about me, Dr. Bell. That's what he's
1: doing.
2: <laughs> well, you're not alone. This, he's, it's, it's, it's the struggle. Natural. The struggle is real. It is a very typical response, actually. It's presented with a new piece of information that you've never heard, and it kind of almost... Because of our binary or dichotomous thinking that has been conditioned, actually through just speaking English and many other things, it's kind of like you feel you may feel pressure. You have to pick one, or um, that that you've been conditioned that one is right, therefore the other must be wrong. As opposed to maybe the whole judging thing is outdated. But when the you you know it's hard because you can't push yourself and when when the student is ready the teacher will appear so there's a part that yeah. if I'm 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 resist I'm a resistor so when I see new information that contradicts everything I've ever learned it's natural for me to be like oh no and then I'm like but I thought I was open-minded because I'm really strong like I have this as my identity I'm open-minded so I'm right. like all right let me consider it again and I, consider it again i'm like okay actually it sounds weird but and then i go back again and i'm like okay this is making sense i go back oh shoot this is kind of like this is looking truth to me right. so i know my process and once your mind is expanded it cannot go back to old dimensions so wow, there may be certain pieces of information that you may not be receptive to like At some point, I had as as a professor, I just had to like let things go. Like if there's something if the students are just not gonna learn some things, I may want them to learn, but (laughs) it's up to them to learn. You, you, they're gonna pick and choose what they're gonna learn and what what me what whatever they wanna learn, they'll learn. Um, Very few. There are exceptions to that, you know. But um, I think I think resistance is real, and I think that. some people are comfortable in what they know. And again, it's a very uncomfortable mm. situation. There's a lot, you know, we think, I mean, I just, I I really bought into the whole yeah. like just one person out there painting. And then I'm like, Instead well, they must say, then they have up. to be this perfect person. So I'm thinking, oh, uh, I, I, you know, I, I thought that there was, so this one person out there for me, my star-crossed lover. And... Oh, you're not in I,
1: Norma. <laughs> Yeah. Uh-oh. I think she froze up on me
2: Because I feel like, you know, we would connect. <coughs> so I realize what is you know what's perfection you know am i really are are we really am i going to meet this perfect person what if there's no what if that's what if that's a lie i made a list i made 118 requirements for my husband
1: what
2: no because why not? This is the one. i need to you know make sure that everything oh. is when well, you said you're
1: scholarly, you're you not I was lying.
0: With like twelve, she said 118.
2: Wow. <laughs> so when I met my fiance, wow. he met a hundred of those 118. I'm like, well, you know, you don't got these 18, and then I have a conversation. Like, I was like, ah, maybe <laughs> they can grow, they can change. Maybe this list is just a little outrageous. Maybe okay. I should. Change. Um. I think we don't. Well, yeah, that's a whole other story. I'm I'm happily divorced. Uh,
1: well, I guess I can say congratulations. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, kept going down, and down, down, down. But um, I think we I think it would be great if we wrote guides to loving us, like what what we need. And I think it's important to know there's with epistemology and the study of knowledge and and what we know there's we know what we know, and then we know what we don't know. And then there's all this of what we don't know, we don't know. And I like when what I don't I when the parts that I don't know, I don't know. Now I know that I didn't know. And there's a lot um, around um, non traditional ways of living your life that I didn't even know I didn't know. I didn't Mm -hmm. realize that could you didn't have to be jealous? I mean, my body was telling me, "Hmm, I don't really that doesn't bother me like I should." But then I would like don't have to perform. Be like,
1: you mean that's not jealousy? Doesn't equal love? Like, if, I mean, if I if you don't if you're not jealous because somebody look at me, I feel like you know that's a problem. That 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 that. that so jealousy should not be normal. <laughs> I, <laughs> if, no, that's sarcasm. I
2: yeah, I think people people are different. There's people have jealous tendencies, they don't, but I think what what is important is to def- to figure out who you really are and how you operate and what's fulfilling to you. Like you have the right to pleasure and you have the right to happiness and that looks different for different people. And so what's beautiful is when you can find people that respect you and love you in ways that are fulfilling and healthy and if it's mutual wow that is something that i'd love to celebrate because it so happens that most of the people i'm loving on they don't love me and the people that are loving on me i'm not loving them in in that way and i feel like that's so it's tragic so when two people actually love each other it's like oh yay, you know and then they right (laughs) uh uh, yeah, I, there, there. I'm very humble of that, and you know, I may be. I'm the leading expert in oceanality. It's an African eroticism that affirms the pleasure and 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 just erotic diversity. More I studied it the more I realized I don't know. Hey,
1: yes. So. Um I think that's a great great thing, but we're starting to have some connection issues. Um, let's take a little break and we'll come back um okay. with our listeners and we'll get back into it. Um because you're you're hitting on some great things. I wanna make sure we kinda get these things figured out so that way we don't have that issue continue to happen. Um, So we're going to go take a, a quick little break. We'll come back and, you know, continue the conversation.